So we uh, are or have been talking about uh, the idea of things that impact our lives and, and how to deal with different areas of our life and, and uh, you know, on, try to be on a little bit practical level. I tend to be a practical speaker anyway. I hope you're glad to be in church tonight. I, I hope that our time here is not something that uh, I can tell you it always... Uh, bothered me when we would go somewhere on vacation and you walk into the church house on Wednesday night and it's almost like an afterthought. It's almost like, well, we just got to fulfill our weekly duty. We just got to, you know, endure for, for 28 minutes or, you know, 40 minutes and then we can all go home and, and we did our, our duty for the week. It's almost like we're just filling in, just getting through. And I don't want Thursday night to be like that. I want Thursday night to be a time that we meet with God where, where man, wasn't that song fun to sing? Love lifted me and, and I enjoyed hearing you lift up your voice and singing, but Half of it is our mindset when we, came, when we come to church. And if we're looking for God to feed us and we're excited about being there, then God will do that. And that's what we want tonight. We want the Lord to feed us from his word. Uh, you all, I'm sure, realize that your emotional state has a lot of impact on your physical state. We've been talking about, uh, well, we've addressed a couple of areas where emotionally, uh, you know, we dealt with anger some months ago. And, and that, of course, can really affect your, your physical state. We dealt with guilt and how many people are carrying around guilt that is unnecessary and how to, how to release that. Um, there are a lot of illnesses that people have today because of their uncontrolled emotion, whether that be fear or anger or stress or loneliness uh, or any, any other uh, different emotion that's left uncontrolled and allowed to run rampant. The National Institute of Mental Health calls anxiety, which is fear or worry, the number one health problem in the United States. It's amazing. We had one of the Sunday school kids here. I don't know. They couldn't have been 10 years old, it, you know, if they were any older. I mean, they, young. And here is this little 10-year-old saying, boy, I've just got so much anxiety. I didn't even know what anxiety was until I was in college, probably. I mean, here's these little bitty kids. You got, what, what do you have anxiety about, you know? And, and a lot of that is because it's pushed on them in society and because parents are making their children carry weight that they don't need to carry. They need to let their kids be kids and stop pushing that stuff onto them. And their kids need to uh, be able to live life without mom and dad's fears. But it's something that's controlling America today. So this evening, I want to deal with how to deal with fear, how to deal with fear. There are so many people carrying around some measure of fear or anxiety in their life that is controlling them, dictating their actions, hindering their progress spiritually. And so we want to address it tonight. The Bible has a lot to say about this very critical and important emotion that we have, uh, that we face in our lives. Um, as believers, we need to know how to correctly discern and deal with these emotions, and specifically tonight, the emotion of fear. Clarence McCarthy said that uh, from the cradle to the grave, fear cast its shadow, and fear is man's greatest adversary. Man's greatest adversary. Fear has a way of hindering you and keeping you from doing what you should do. On April 13th, 1970, at 9.20 p.m., there's three astronauts in Apollo 13 on their way to the moon. They were 180,521 miles from Earth. 
and an oxygen tank exploded in their service module. One entire side of the spacecraft was blown away. Those of you that are a little older than me, you remember that. <laughs> I, I was uh, six years old. So that was not big on my radar at that time. But in the spacecraft there, Lovell said he heard a distinct bang, but at the time he was actually in midair. He was floating in space, and so he didn't feel anything at all. He just kind of heard a, a distant bang. He didn't feel what Jack Swaggart felt, who at the time was at the controls, and he only felt a small shudder in the controls. But they wouldn't have thought much of it at all, except that immediately the main alarm went off in all of their headphones. At Houston, the, all of the scientists there that monitor not just the spacecraft, but the astronauts as well, as well, they said that in five seconds, the heart rate of the three astronauts went from 70 to 130 beats a minute. That fast, they didn't even know what happened, but an alarm went off and their heart rate doubled. That's what fear does. It comes on quick. It grabs a hold of you, and if you're not careful, will control or dictate your actions from that point forward. So we want to be able to recognize and handle fear correctly. So first of all, we need to find the source of that fear, find the source of the fear that we're facing. We see in our text here, let's read this together. You are in 2 Timothy chapter number 1, hopefully. We read in verses 6 through 8, he says, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of his uh, prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. We need to find the source of fear. See, God is not the source of a lot of the fears that people are facing today. So we need to know that, know where they're coming from. The phobias that we uh, have, the list of phobias that are available for people to catch today is growing every single year. There are uh, many, many phobias that are out there today. If we, There's no way I could give you the list. The, the, the list is growing. The last one I saw was over 700 phobias that are, that are available for people to contract. Um, but uh, according to Healthline.com, a phobia is an irrational fear of something that is unlikely to cause harm. We know that the word phobia itself comes from the Greek word for fear. And that, that's where that is rooted in. And it means to fear or to horror, to have horror or to be afraid of. Uh, there's actually phobia phobia which is the fear of fear. Um, that reminds us of Franklin Roosevelt's saying during the Great Depression where he said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. We, of course, know that that is not at face value. It's not actually true. There are some things that we should fear. Um, you know, that, that, that we're going to get into that in a minute. There are some healthy fears, but... Uh, what he was saying is that fear can keep you do, from doing what you should do. And, and that is the greatest problem, is that you're going to be restricted and held back from doing what you should do. And so it's fear that's the problem. 
So fear itself, of course, one of the most well-known is claustrophobia. We're afraid of being in small or tight spaces. But there is actually ecclesiophobia, which is the fear of church. I think they just made that one up. <laughs> just, like, I just, oh, I can't go to church. I, I, I'm just afraid of church, you know. Uh, just can't do it. Uh, but we need to find the source of fear. First of all, the Bible has a lot to say about fear. Many, many things the Bible says about fear. I want you to know that there is a holy fear. There's a fear that uh, is holy and given to us by God or should be recognized. We know the Bible says, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. We know that we are to have that fear of God. We're commanded to fear God. We, we looked at this, and so I'm not going to spend much time here because as we talked about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, we just dealt with that. We are talking about Proverbs in a service recently, and we know the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So there is a holy fear that uh, is present or should be present in the life of every believer. And you and I would do well to be very familiar with that holy fear, that fear of God, and, and being able to balance that correctly. If we fear God correctly, we're really going to fear disappointing Him. There was a young girl who was out with some friends, and uh, they were trying to impose upon her uh, some alcohol, and they were trying to get her to drink this alcohol, and she just kept refusing and kept saying no. I praise the Lord for a friend named Jaime when I was growing up. He, oftentimes, he and I were in places that we shouldn't have been. Uh, we were around a lot of uh, things that as a Christian boy, I shouldn't have been around at all. But we, we were in those places. There was drugs available. There was alcohol available. But Jaime and I had agreed to stand with each other. And we were in those places, and people would come, and, and, and they would say, oh, do you want to drink, or do you want to smoke this, or do you want to take this? And, and Jaime and I just stood all of those times in all those different places. We just looked at him and said, nope, you're dumb for doing that. You know, nope, not going to do it. But I can tell you that it was the friendship and him standing with me that helped me to be able to do that. And I praise God for that, uh, you know, that through those years that the Lord protected me in, in all of that time. But, you know, we really, this young lady was being impressed upon to try and do this. And the, these other kids were saying, hey, uh, what's the matter? Are you afraid your mom and dad are going to find out and they're going to hurt you? And she responded, no, I'm afraid my mom and dad are going to find out and I will hurt them. That is the correct spirit that we should have when regards to our Heavenly Father, that, that when the fear of the Lord is, is really, we should fear disappointing Him, fear hurting our Heavenly Father if we truly love Him as we should. There's not only holy fear, but there's healthy fear. We're not going to spend long here either, but you know there are some healthy fears it's good to have some fear of certain things. I was contemplating the fact that, uh, you know, gravity can be adverse. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you get up high, it might be good for you to have some fear of heights, you know, some, some at least healthy fear of the edge, right? You ought to get back from the edge. You ought to maybe think about that a little bit because uh, there's, it could be healthy to have some of that fear, it could be healthy for you to have some fear of electricity or poisonous snakes or less scrupulous people. There's so many less scrupulous people out there today. It's mind-boggling uh, the, the presence and, and the uh, lack of scruples that people have today. Just yesterday I was talking to uh, Brother Steve and he was telling me how uh, he saw or read a story, news, news story of uh, a boy or a group of boys that attacked a 78-year-old lady as she was unloading her groceries in her own garage at her own house. 
But she got home and the garage door was open and she popped the trunk and was getting her groceries out to take them into the house. And they, they attacked her, hurt her, and stole her groceries right there in her own garage. And, and that's in society that we live in today. It's almost like you've got to have uh, eyes in the back of your head. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we have security here at the church. We hope it's never necessary. But in the world in which we live in, we've got to be prepared and ready. I, I don't remember where it was just this week. I saw of another shooting in a, in a church. And sorry, I don't remember where, where it was. I just saw it briefly. But, you know, somebody came in with a gun to harm and injure, uh, injure people. Why they do that, I don't know. But I hope we don't ever have that. But we've got to be prepared and ready for it because there's less scrupulous people out there. So it's, it could be healthy to have a certain respect or fear for these things. Hey, God sends us sometimes these fears God makes us a little afraid of certain things that we ought to be cautious about. You try and teach your children, you know, to fear touching a hot stove before they, they burn themselves. And uh, you say, so we have those healthy fears, but there are tonight, the focus is going to be on the hurtful fears. There are some fears that are hurtful. I read a story that happened in uh, uh, Barcelona, Spain. There was a truck that was, uh, had an empty coffin in the back of the truck, and he was hauling, <coughs> excuse me, he was hauling this coffin, and um, <clears throat> he saw a hitchhiker on the side of the road, so he picked up the hitchhiker, and the hitchhiker jumped in the back, and they're riding down the road a little while longer, and it started to sprinkle. That hitchhiker looked, and there's nothing in the coffin, and he didn't want to get wet, so he got in the coffin. And he actually fell asleep. He's comfortable. He's just sleeping in the coffin. They're riding along for a while, and uh, that truck driver saw some other guys. So he stopped and picked up two more hitchhikers. It's a true story, according to the article. He picked up two more hitchhikers. So they're riding down the road a little while longer, and the guy that was in the coffin woke up. And he lifted it up and stuck his head out and said, did it stop raining yet? <laughs> And the two guys that were sitting in the truck were so afraid, they jumped out of the moving truck. They just, they bailed. One of the guys, it's, I guess this is where it stops being funny, one of the guys actually was injured so bad he lost his life uh, in, in the accident uh, that because of that fear of, of a coffin, some guy coming out of a coffin randomly just scared him to death. He jumped out of the truck and ended, in, ended up hurting himself. There are hurtful fears that we have. These kind of fears we know put us in bondage. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 17 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. That's what fear does. It puts you in bondage. It locks you down. It keeps you from being able to do what you know you should do. The Father, beloved, is not going to send that kind of fear to you. That's not the kind of fear that's going to come from our Heavenly Father, the kind that locks you up, that puts you into bondage, that freezes you. Satan is the one that sends that kind of fear. Satan will do anything he can to neutralize the Christian. Some, he's going to get them to fall. They'll fall into sin, destroy their life that way. But others... Maybe he won't get you to fall, but he'll get you to live in fear. And he'll keep you from accomplishing or doing all that God would have for you to do because fear has held you back. Fear has kept you from moving forward in faith. It's hindered you. We've got to recognize these fears for what they are and stop letting them control our lives. 
Paul describes in our text here that God has not given us the spirit of fear. That spirit of fear is that fear of hindrance, that fear that locks you down, that fear of bondage that keeps you from being able to move forward for him. Proverbs 29, verse number 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare. That same idea of being locked up, being captivated, being in a snare, being held back. I like the story of one uncle who was there with his nephew and playing with him and having a good time. And his nephew had a, a, a balloon of a great big tiger. And this balloon was all blown up and the nephew's just playing, or the uncle's playing with his nephew. And, and he, he just thought, well, this will be fun. And, and he looks at his nephew and says, boy, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I think I'm pretty afraid of that big tiger you got there. And this little five-year-old boy, the nephew says, oh, don't be afraid of him. You should see how small he is when I let the air out. And that's what happens when we get a right perspective of our fear. God lets the air out. And where it was so big, where it was insurmountable, where it was un unattainable or unapproachable or, or no way we could see our way through it, when God lets the air out, it's really not that big a deal. That's what happens when we do it, when we see where it comes from. We need to find the source of that fear and, and determine where it is. There's healthy fears that are good to have. There's uh, some holy fear that we know we need to have of God, but there's also hurtful fears. And if we can nail that down and understand, okay, this is a hurtful fear, this is hindering me, then we can face the significance of that fear in our life. A lot of people live and are allowing fear to have a much greater significance in their life than it should. Fear keeps you down. You remember the story given to us in Matthew chapter 25. We won't turn there, but the story of the talents. Where the, the one man had five talents and you know the, the master came and gave the one man five and then he came and gave the next one two and then he came and gave the next one one. And you know he says, hey, when I come again, I expect to see some, uh, what I've given you with some usury. And he came back and the one with five had turned it into ten. And, and the one with two had turned it into four. And then he asked the one and he says, oh, I know thou art astute man. He, he pulls it up and, and he says, oh, well, you know, I was just afraid. I didn't want to lose what you gave me and so I, I just took it and I buried it. And fear held him back from doing what he should have done. Fear held him down from accomplishing what God wanted him to accomplish. Many believers are held frozen in fear when God wants them to move forward in faith. Is that you tonight? Frozen in fear? Whatever God has asked of you or called on you to do or has prodded your heart and said, hey, you should take this step, but Satan has, has gripped your heart in fear and held you from being able to do it. Maybe you're afraid of failure. Some are afraid of making the wrong choice so they don't make any choice at all. They just, oh, I'm not sure what to do, so I'm just not going to make a choice. I'm not going to find God's direction and determine what the Lord wants and do it. Afraid they can't accomplish or do what God's called them to perform. How many over the years have not come to Christ for salvation because they were afraid of what family or friends would say? 
They were afraid of what somebody else might think. That's the society and the reality of where we live. But what's amazing is when you contrast that where there are some places in the world where their fear is quite literally being put to death. They could lose their life for coming to Christ. And yet some still do. They face the reality of that fear, but here it's just a matter of being afraid of what somebody might say, being afraid of what somebody might think. What are my friends going to say if I tell them that I've come to Christ? I saw this week an advertisement, and I I hope it was real, and I hope he does make the, the right decision, and I'm not up on all of the national known singers, pop artists and such, but there was a pop artist that uh, is very, very well known and he's leaving the music industry. And he said on Fox News, he said, I'm, I'm not ashamed to tell everybody that I've come to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I'm leaving the music industry because this is not pleasing to the Lord. And uh, amazing. That not, he didn't let fear hold him back. He went ahead and did what God wanted him to do. How many over the years have not got baptized because they were afraid of getting wet in front of people or maybe afraid of getting in the water? This is one of the amazing things that uh, you get to see you know, as a pastor when you're dealing with people and you see that fear. Some people, it's no big deal. They're like, oh, yeah, no problem. But for others, they have a real fear of getting in the water. They, they've always been afraid of water. But it's a, it's a huge victory. When they make that decision to say, you know what, I'm going to move forward in faith and I'm not going to let my fear hold me back. I'm going to do it because it's what God wants. And so I'm going to move forward in faith. Can I tell you that there has never been anyone drowned to death in a baptistry? <laughs> okay? Uh, being baptized, I don't, I, uh, you know, in bodies of water, yes, but I'm saying if somebody being baptized, nobody's been drowned yet. So, you know, I think, you know, probably be okay. But there are some that face their fear, really face the fear of water. And to follow the Lord and believers baptism is a challenge. Some let their fear keep them from ever doing it. But others have overcome that fear and followed the Lord. And we praise the Lord for those that did. Some, because of fear of rejection, keep them from soul winning or being a witness that they should be. You see, we're letting fear have too big of a significance in our life. We're allowing it to keep us from being what God wants us to be. Some, for the fear of financial ruin, they forego tithing. They don't have faith to trust God to do what God wants. And they say, oh, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I, I, I'll tip God on occasionally, or if I have a few extra dollars, I'll put some in. But I'm not going to really fully embrace this because of fear. I don't know if I'll have enough. And so they fear. We see the example in our text of Paul. We know Paul was tortured. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was stoned. He went through so many things. But look in verse number 8 of our text here. He's telling his son in the faith. Right here in the very next verse where he's talking about God hath not given us a spirit of fear. He says in verse number 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. He says, you know what, Timothy, you might be afraid of some of the afflictions that might come. 
You might be afraid of me, a prisoner right now, a prisoner of the gospel literally locked up as I'm writing you this letter. And that might be your end, Timothy, but listen, don't be afraid of that. Embrace it. Do what God wants you to do and let God deal with the fallout. Just pursue God and give him, it, give him your all and God will take care of it. He's saying, I don't regret being where I am, Timothy. I'm pleased that I followed the Lord and had faith and trusted him. Timothy might have been looking at his mentor and saying, I'm not sure that that's what I want to endure. You know, if this world progresses in the direction that it's headed, uh, there is going to be greater persecution for us as believers in the United States. If we're not careful, we'll let fear of that keep us from being the witness we should be, keep us from standing for Christ the way we should, keep us from proclaiming the gospel as we should. Paul said, Don't be afraid. Do what God wants. Oswald Sanders said, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you have nothing else to fear. Whereas, if you do not fear God, you have everything else to fear. That's a mouthful there. If we fear God, there's really nothing else you need to fear. Whereas, if you do not fear God, you have everything else to fear. So we see thirdly here, how do we fight the sway of fear in our life? Fear has the power to sway us, to move us, to hinder us, to lock us up and put us in bondage. How do we fight that effect on our lives? He, he has given it to us here. Three tools for overcoming fear right here in the verse we read here. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We cannot let fear have control of our lives. Clarence McCartney said, regardless of what men's progression of faith may be, if they are under the dominion of fear, they are practically atheist. He said, regardless of what men's progression of faith may be, he said, it doesn't matter how far along the line you think you've gone, if you're living in fear, you're living like an atheist. Outside of the belief of a holy, omnipotent God who's in control of the affairs of men and is in ruling in your life. He tells us here he has given us power to confront our fears. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Power to confront your fears. This power is God supplied through the Holy Spirit. You know, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, who is it that's in you? The Holy Spirit, who came to dwell in you at the moment of salvation. He's in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We, we know that. He's there, and he's given us the power, the Spirit of God, to confront your fears. Over and over again, I started trying to find how many times and, and got too tired of counting and, and trying to read the text and context of each passage. But many, many times throughout the Bible, Jesus looked in the eyes of his followers and said, fear not. 
Fear not. Fear not. And I would say through the pages of Scripture, Jesus is looking into your eyes and saying, fear not. Whatever it is that's grabbing a hold of your heart, whatever it is that's held you back, whatever it is that keeps you awake at night, Jesus is saying, fear not. Would you turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 27? Psalm 27. There's a number of verses here that deal with this aspect of fear that we want to reference as we're bringing this to a close here on how to deal with fear. He's given us power to confront our fears. We see in Psalm 27, verses 1 through 3, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. We see a transition in David's heart from cowardice to confidence because of who's with him. God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is with you and he gives you the power to confront the fear that you're facing. We also see that he gives us love that casteth out fear. In 1 John chapter 4, verse number 18, he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Perfect love casteth out fear. He puts it pretty plain, pretty straightforward, saying that love cast out fear. That truth should remove fear from our heart when we understand that we have a loving God. Who said he would never leave you nor forsake you. D.L. Moody's favorite verse was Isaiah chapter 12 and verse number 2. I will trust and not be afraid. He said, Christian, you can travel first class or second class to heaven. He said, second class is what time I am afraid, I will trust. But first class is I will trust and not be afraid. Either way, you have a heavenly father whom you can trust in, a heavenly father who loves you with a perfect love. And when you and I are confident of that love, that perfect, complete, utter love, we can have confidence and and cast out the fear. Because we know our Heavenly Father is not going to do anything or allow anything into our life that's not for our good or His glory. He's he's going to protect you, guide you, uh, walk with you. He's there every step of the way. He loves you with a perfect love. In Psalms 27 and verse number 10, He said, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. You know, you and I, we don't have perfect love. He says here, even when my mother and father forsake me, the Lord would take me up. As as much as I love my children and would do all I can to protect them, all I can to provide for them, I don't love them with a perfect love. I still sometimes say some things that are hurtful 
or do some things that cause harm in their life. I misread the situation. I didn't understand what was going on and I reacted and instead of acted correctly. There's times where I, as a father, fell short because my love's not perfect, but God's love is perfect. And he's never going to fall short. And that, beloved, should cast out the fear we have. Thirdly, how do we deal with this fear? He gives us a sound mind that covers our fear. A sound mind. See, in, in Psalms 27, verse number 11, he says, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. You see, that sound mind, that sound, that word sound there has the idea of discernment. <coughs> Excuse me. It is the idea of being able to make right decisions. The psalmist said, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. You see, you can have confidence in the decisions that you make. It'll cast out the fear when you can move forward knowing you're doing what God wants you to do. Knowing that you're taking that step. There's been several large decisions in my life that I was able to do so with complete and utter confidence to know that this is what God wanted me to do. There was no doubt or question in my mind that I was supposed to take that step. And regardless of the, of the uh, hardship or the trial that followed, I knew I was where God wanted me. Several of you guys are asking me, is Alicia and Stephen going to be here when, when, after they get married? And uh, I've tried to persuade him uh, he texted me the other day and he asked me, he said, are you still looking for an intern for this summer? And I said, definitely. Why, are you interested? We can always postpone the wedding until next year. He said, that's fine with me, you know. <laughs> and he's like, no, uh, somebody else at the college was, was talking about it. <clears throat> so I don't know what they're going to do. I've sat and talked to them, but I told them, I said, listen, I could tell you what my wishes are, my preferences are, but you need to find God's will. You need to know what God wants you to do. And I, told, I sat Stephen down and I said, that's your job, Stephen. You shall leave mother and father and cleave. He said, what I desire in this scenario really doesn't matter. Ultimately, what I want is I want God's will for you because I know that's where you'll be happy and fulfilled. That's where you'll be protected. So that's what you need to do. I said, you need to pray about it. He's got several opportunities, places where he could go and serve in the ministry and, and be a help, and he's praying about those. But I said, listen, you do what God wants you to do, and I'll be happy. But you got to know. And when you can make a decision, having that sound mind, that confidence. You know, he's a young guy, just getting married, starting his family, hitting the road. Boy, where are we going to end up? There's some fear there, I'm sure. But when you can make that decision and know it's what God wants, that removes that fear. You can say, you know what? I know God's in control. He's directed this way, and he's going to take care of us. It's going to be okay because God told me to do that. But you know the opposite is very true. When you go out on your own and you don't know God directed you, you know because we've all been there 
where we took that step by ourselves and in the back of our mind we're like, oh, I don't know. I, I, do, I know I'm doing this on my own. I mean, I hope at the very least I didn't make God mad, but I hope that he, I mean, we, we know we're out there on our own and there's a lot of apprehension and there's a lot of fear about taking those steps because we know we didn't do it inside of God's direction. We don't have that sound, man, sound mind. When you make decisions out of fear instead of faith, you make the wrong ones. I heard of a man whose farm was failing and his wife needed to have surgery. The bills were adding up and the uh, you know, cost was getting expensive. The, the banks would no longer loan him any money, wouldn't help him at all. And he was in dire straits and didn't know what to do. The bill collectors kept calling and ultimately uh, out of fear for this whole situation and needing his wife to get the surgery she needed, he, he thought, the, the only thing I can do is, is, is rob a bank. So he's just a farmer, not a criminal by nature, and, but he got a gun and he got a bag and he was going to go in and rob the teller. But he's nervous and apprehensive and he's standing in front of the bank and he's walking back and forth and he's just trying to get up enough courage to go in and do it. And he's got his gun and he's got his bag and he's all ready to go. Finally, he gets up enough energy and he runs inside and he throws the gun at the teller and holds, points the bag at her. And he says, don't stick with me. This is a mess up. Fear gets you to do dumb things. When you make decisions out of fear, when you make decisions and, and, and take a step out of fear, 99% of the time it's going to be wrong. You don't have that sound mind that God would have you have that removes fear. So how do you deal with fear? He gives us three things in this text. By facing your fears with the power of God, the love of God, and the sound mind that God wants you to have to overcome it. I read an interesting story about dealing with fear. George had been, had been under the care of a psychoanalyst, psychoanalyst for years. He was being treated for fear that he had monsters under his bed. Even though <clears throat> he was grown... He had not had a good night's sleep in many years. His, his progress was very poor. He did not find uh, any comfort through years of treatment. Finally, he said, nothing's changing. Everything's the same. He stopped seeing this psychoanalyst. He decided to try something different. Some weeks later, George was in the mall and his former therapist saw him and he looked to be rested he looked to be okay and he was shocked and he said George how are you doing George said man I've got great news I'm doing great I have been cured in just one session his doc who met with him for years said wow what is that who, who did you go see George says well my new doctor is a behaviorist and he cured you in one session? He said, yes. He told me to cut the legs off my bed. There's more than one way to deal with the fear. How, how do you look at it? How, how, how are you going to handle it? How are you going to deal with the fear that you have? 
The Bible tells us how to have fear, victory over this fear. Spirit-led discernment gives you confidence as you move forward, and it keeps you from making stupid decisions. As I bring this to a close, I want you to know that fear is normal. But for a Christian to be controlled by it is not. To let fear have sway in our lives or to hold us back is not moving forward in faith. What about you tonight? Is there fear that has kept you from doing what you know you should do? That you've allowed to have too much control in your life? Would you be willing this evening to turn it over to God? To by faith just let Him, your Heavenly Father who cares for you, cast out that fear.